welcome to the Shame Pile podcast, where we bring you along our never-ending journeys to conquer our piles of video game shame. My name is Lee, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sean. Hello. And we're going to talk about a couple of the games we've been playing. Would you like to start, Sean? Yeah. First, I'll say it's been a while since we've done a podcast. I was just going to smooth right over that, but yes, it's been two months. It's my fault. I ran away overseas for a while. Yeah. Well, before we maybe talk about games, maybe we should actually talk about games that we've completed. Our, you know, the actual shame pile progress. Damn it. I have made no shame pile progress. I was trying to smooth over that too, Sean, but thank you. Uh, I played this game. I didn't even buy this game because I played it on someone else's computer, so my shame pile remains unchanged. Anyway, I've made progress. I've progressed by a single percent. I've gone from 69% of my games remaining to 68% of my games remaining. This is why you're so keen to talk about it. Yes, that is exactly why I'm so keen to talk about it. So I finished Limbo and Inside. Yep. Yeah, I saw you play those. Yep. And I also added, like, I added Player Unknown Battlegrounds, but because it's not a completable game, really, so it doesn't really count. It still counts. Well, you... I've added it, but I still managed to get down to my 68%. But you can't complete it. No, but you take it off when you've played enough that you're satisfied that you've seen everything that you want to see in that game. But what if I didn't want to see anything originally? I just bought it to play with friends. Then it comes off when you and your friends are bored of that game. Fine. Alright, whatever. Okay, so yes, I have progressed in my shame pile, and therefore I am great. Moving on to... I want to talk about Darkest Dungeon. Because... Uh, about a week or two ago, they released an expansion called The Crimson Court, which added a new dungeon in, and so I felt it was actually a good time to talk about it. And also, I've been playing it on and off for a while now, probably for the last two years, since it was released in, I think, 2015, from memory. Actually, no, sorry, it was released in 2016, but it was released as an early access game on Steam, a year before that. I think it's worth noting that Darkest Dungeon was probably one of the most playable early access games I've ever touched. Yeah, I think uh, they kept adding characters and fiddling with the sort of balance between yeah. the uh, enemies and your playable characters, but in terms of playability, 100% playable. Yeah, the game was there from the very start. Um, you basically had a limited amount of sort of classes, a limited amount of dungeons, and what they ended up doing at intermittent points afterwards before the release is just add more classes, finish off the other dungeons, um, expand on some of the sort of home base mechanics as well. And so by the time you get to its release and then you get to Crimson Court, it, it is a fully fledged game. It didn't actually change that much in game style, I'd say, between when it first came out in early access and its release. It was more about, I think, as you said, the balancing and the tweaking of the game. Which is exactly what you want in an early access game. You yeah. want a playable game that is, you know, demonstrably like the final product. And I feel that's the whole point of it, really. If you've got to put it on early access and people are going to pay for it, first of all, it should be a little bit cheaper than a full-fledged game. And second of all, one of the 
good things about it is that you can get people to play test it and pay you as long as you're as long as they're happy to play because it, it is a game you can't release like a shell of nothing and then hope that people pay the money for it and you would be able to fund you to finish the game it's just no especially you're... if you're a no-name uh gaming company or or um or developer yeah it's there's got to be considerable evidence that you're going to take it through to completion. So the Darkest Dungeon, where we didn't know the developer, it's already in a playable state and they didn't have much to go, so you're like, yeah, that's alright, that's what I'm happy spending some money on that. But if you don't have a track record of completing games, bringing out something that's half-finished, barely playable, no one should pay money for that. Yeah. You shouldn't ask people for money for that. Yeah, you can get people to playtest it for free, and that's and if you and if they're happy to do it, great. But if you don't have anything to play, then no. it shouldn't be on there. Um. Anyway, so in Darkest Dungeon, you've inherited an estate from a suddenly dead relative, where that relative like was excavating your estate for I think mines and riches, and basically they just tapped into. Dimensions, creatures, portals, very Cthulhu-esque level of um, finding evil underneath the mansion. And so that essentially renders the estate useless. And you've inherited it. Great. And so what you start doing is hiring mercenaries to help you rid the estate of evil. And sort of to find the source of the darkness and stop it for all. It was produced by an indie team um, called Red Hook Studios. And this is their only game. I know that Clay Interactive, I think, supported them somehow. I'm not really sure. I tried looking into it. I couldn't find out how. Visual, it could have been with the visuals a bit. I suspect. I feel that the visuals of um, Darkest Dungeon are very similar to other Clay games, like Mark of the Ninja and Shank and those kind of things. Would you reckon? I haven't played Mark of the Ninja and Shank, so... You should play Mark of the Ninja and Shank. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, so Darkest Dungeon, it's a dungeon-crawling RPG that's 2D and turn-based. And so basically you have, out of your roster of heroes, you have about a roster of 20 or so heroes, you send four heroes at a time into a dungeon. And basically these heroes work, uh, sorry, walk in line in a certain order. And as they move through, they encounter monsters, um, they encounter just objects, curious objects and traps. And then basically... When you encounter a monster group, it's a bit of a almost a JRPG-style turn-based strategy, but where your positioning matters in the order and in the order of the monsters, because be, there will be like four or three monsters in an order as well. Um, so dungeons, there are... Oh, I wish I knew this off my head. I think there's five dungeons, and each of them have a very particular theme. Six now with the Crimson Court. I guess there's six with the Crimson Court. And so basically the way it works is that every time you go to a dungeon, the dungeon is randomly generated. So you have rooms and a bunch of corridors in between rooms. And so you have a bit of a map that you walk along. Um, basically the dungeon will come with a quest, which might be as simple as explore 100% of the rooms, or it might be collect three items, or go to three items and exhume them or something like that. Some of them are also have a boss at the end that you need to defeat. And you do that with your your 20 or so heroes. Um, they all have very interesting classes, I would say. You have some of your almost standard classes, but not really. 
and then there are some that are very different and they're all thematically this is a very strong game like the classes are on theme the battles are on theme everything's on theme yeah like for example you have your it's i'd say it's what 13th century european setting sure yeah i'm guessing um but yeah you have like your crusader and then you have um your you have a witch doctor and you have a grave robber and then you have um a highwayman like they're all they're not quite normal classes they all actually are quite reasonably unique as well um i think the the latest one they added in was with the crimson court was the flagellant who is a guy that makes himself bleed yeah that's what... yeah that, and that's 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 his game yeah self, yeah yeah and you basically with all your classes as well they each have their own skills and weapons which you can level up um the, the characters level up as well, the players sorry the classes level up or the heroes level up and you can upgrade their skills as well or unlock more skills you only have four skills at a time so it's very limited but you can change it because each class has a couple of different sort of builds you can do around the different skills um what ends up happening as you play the game though is that your characters they develop personality traits and they're always almost or always awful essentially 90 percent of the time time they're awful like they become selfish and they so they steal treasure for themselves or they become vague and they go wandering off in the middle of the night and so you can't use them in the next mission or they share their stress with everybody else yeah if they become cruel or something so this game is kind of actually brutal when it comes down to it really it's brutal really grim. yeah it took me three or four sort of false starts or well, false starts like good starts before i really got into the knew what i was doing because my guys died all the time and they die from you know losing health the normal way in dungeon well they can die from heart attacks from stress as well like if their their stress levels get so high they have a heart attack they die and then everyone else gets really really stressed as well because like holy shit that guy just died from a heart attack yeah oh god it's yeah. very it's a sort of everything is fine everything is fine and then as soon as it starts to go wrong it just all goes catastrophically wrong because they share their stress between each other and it just escalates so fast into a disaster it's yeah fantastic and it almost comes impossible to complete a dungeon with three people if one person dies yes a retreat essentially like that's it you're, yeah. you're stuffed um it's a hard game yeah i've been playing it for about on and off for about a for two years now since it's like early access release i didn't want to play it too much initially because i um i didn't you know how you, you overplay a game you're like i'm done now so i didn't want to play it before it actually got or became finished um i admit i when i said playing it on and off i'd stop playing it mostly months ago just because i got bored to be to be honest um but you played it a lot. I played it a lot. I played about a hundred hours worth. Yeah, yeah. and when after a hundred yeah, hours, yeah, yeah, not a complaint. I, but I'm so close to finishing it, and the only reason I've really picked up games is because the Crimson Court came out, and because that has like, like I said, new dungeon, a new um, class, has like a sort of a whole side parallel quest line as well. Besides like the main darkest dungeon, had some really cool new mechanics and new monster groups and interesting stuff like that. Um, so, like I said, I've done about 100 hours, and I'm into the last... Like, I'm sort of up to the Darkest Dungeon, which is the final area in the actual mansion where you have to try and defeat it three times to win the game, essentially. And it's... 
It's I'm struggling with it. And I mean that in terms of it's difficult and the compulsion to keep playing as well. Because it is so difficult, it's almost not worth me... Want, it's, it's, at, it's at the point where I'm like, I'm. it's not worth me investing my characters, my, my guys that I've trained up who are all maxed out level now, max items, max skills, and they haven't bloody die in the darkest dungeon. It's... It, I'm not, <laughs> Because you're too attached, you're, well, you're too invested. Yeah, it takes actually a lot of time to level up a character from like level zero or one up to level six, and then max out the items and max out the their skills as well. Because the darkest dungeon is brutally hard. Difficulty curve was really hard at the start. Like it's really hard, and then once you sort of get into it, get some like money to be able to afford the things you need to go into the dungeons, and then kind of levels out a bit. And then I'm at this point now where suddenly you're in the darkest dungeon. And it's, first of all, Dark Dungeon's brutally hard for my max, completely maxed out powerful characters. There's that. Also, one of the things about this game is that if it's getting to the point where you're like, this isn't worth, I'm not going to be able to complete this dungeon mission, I'm, you have to retreat. You can't do that with the Darkest Dungeon. If you retreat, everyone dies. And so these maxed out characters which you need to put in there, it's, but you're basically throwing them into a meat grinder, willingly. And it's like a risk reward, and I think I actually don't think the reward's that good. I don't want this estate anymore. <laughs> I, Let's face it, you'd be really disappointed if the darkest dungeon was not brutal. I, I admit, but I want my maxed out heroes to at least have a good crack at it. And the first time I tried it, I put in my, my best combination, which I felt was my best combination, and they got like demo- like splattered across the floor they just got ruined <laughs> yeah and i guess it's not just about having maxed out characters with maxed out stuff it's you need the right maxed out characters with yeah. the exact right skills. and i i thought the combination of characters i had were really good up until then and it, it, just, it just didn't work or i think one of my characters died really early on my healer or something. oh no yeah you can't you cannot yeah. make it through any dungeon without someone who can heal yeah and i, I the, so my favorite healers at the moment are the witch doctor and the flagellant the witch doctor just has his crazy heal which is like yes yeah, so i'm going to sew your skin back together you might be bleeding for the next two turns but you're looking good if you have someone who also has a stop bleeding skill then you're pretty good so the flagellant is really interesting because he takes other people's bleeding away he starts bleeding and then when he gets down to a certain point, he can then heal himself and heal someone else at the same time. So it's a constant thing of you're killing him gradually to then heal him and someone else. That's not bad. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool thing. Yeah, And there are uh, restrictions on what characters will and will not work together. You know, no one wants to work oh, with the leper. Yeah, or the abomination, who's this like werewolfy, monstery thing. None of the holy characters will touch him. Yeah, they're like, no, I'm not working with that. He's yeah. an abomination. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Some of them just assholes anyway. Some some of the characters are just like I don't want to work. I don't want to do this mission. It's like I don't like that area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's they all have personalities, and ninety percent of the time their personalities suck. And you can cure them, and you can cure the diseases, and you can do all that and relieve their stress. But they just you're just playing a very slow game of losing. <laughs> I really like it. I really like it too. But I'm at the point hundred hours in where I'm just I don't know if I can keep doing it. I want to because I'm so close, but I just don't know. So, would you recommend? Oh, I'd absolutely recommend. <laughs> like, like I said, I've got 100 hours out of it, and I really enjoyed it. It, it. It's a bit clicky, like, most of it is just clicking on things, and, like, I want to do this, I want to do this, um, 
you know, attack now and I want to use this item here. It's just clicking stuff. It's very, it actually is very JRPG, but it doesn't, it feels very fresh. It's like squad-based tactics, I guess. Yeah, squad-based tactics slash JRPG, because it's still a bit of, like, around your positioning and how you move and when you do things. Yeah. Yeah. But, see, I really don't like JRPGs. I find them really dull and boring, but I like this, so I don't draw it's a strong parallel. It's way more interesting, yeah. Yeah. No, I'd recommend. It's like $25 US dollars on Steam at the moment, which is worth it. Yeah, yeah it's absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, straight off worth it. Alright, I think I'm done. Wait, I'm I out. do have something to bring up on this. Yeah? So, in terms of uh, Shame Pile, when we download a significant chunk of DLC and sort of reopen a closed game like you have, do we add I n- it back? I never stopped. I never finished, put that as completed or What done? if you had completed it and then you download the DLC? Does the DLC count as the new game? Or do you so we've had this discussion before and you were really like... It, I, think I know, but yeah. I'm reopening it because so I'm reconsidering. My, my opinion is if it's, a, if it's a content thing, it doesn't go on. Like It's a content. Like What can you do? But for something like the Crimson Court, which has another quest line that you can complete, that to me is a bit onto your shame pile. Alright. Yeah. That I think reasonable. I think if there's a quest to do, it, it should go on the shame pile, essentially. If there's a story to complete, if there's something to complete. If it's just like, you now have more guns and you can fire these guns, it's like, well, I've finished that in 20 seconds. Tick. Okay. It's a bit cheap. Like when it just adds a new character class. Yeah. And I think when it comes down to it, um, like, say with, say in a game like The Witcher, for example... Those DLCs came with well, major quest lines, right? Those are essentially, hey, would you like another game on top of your game? Yeah, but if they say just added in a whole bunch of side quests just dotted around the world, I wouldn't worry. If you don't need them to complete the game... I don't know, because if you added a whole bunch of side quests, to me that is now plot story to complete, that's functional, like, storyline. It, it is functional, but it's also side... Questy, like when I say complete a game, you shouldn't have to complete a hundred percent of the game. I believe if you bought that to complete side quests, you now have oh, more quest lines in the game. Granted, if you bought it, but if they've just been added in as free DLC, like The Witcher did, what do you reckon? Depends on if you're going to play it or not. If you are going to play those extra quest lines, then yeah. yes. If, if you're you start not, it, you don't reopen. If you start it, you finish it. Yeah. And I feel that actually about the PS4 free games. Because right, yeah. we download them just because we're like, oh no, so we add them to our library, right? But half of my program not never going to touch. So the ones that I will touch, straight into the, my shame pile. The ones, oh, you mean my good pile? No, the ones that <laughs> I I download, but just in case I want to touch it later, if I touch them, yeah, I'll put them on. That's fair, yeah. because, you know, I'm not going to say no to free games, yeah, exactly. but I'm probably not going to play them. Yeah, I'm like never going to play that. Alright, what do you got for us? I'm going to talk about Canarium, which on theme is a Lovecraftian horror game. Hey, we're doing well. So, unlike many, many sort of indie Lovecraftian themed games, this game is by people who have read the books and really, really like them. This is strongly based on uh, what happens and the setting in at the Mountains of Madness. And there's just lots of 
bits and pieces of lore and information as well as the whole plot and setting that just says these are people who read that story and who loved that story and really cared about it and that's far like a far different beast than the sort of billion games that just sort of paste a Cthulhu in the background for their monster and say hey it's Lovecraft Lovecraft trendy it's not about a monster coming into town and destroying things it's more about unlocking forbidden knowledge or ideas that sort of break people down as who they are so is mountains of madness what this game's based on is that a cthulhu story no no it's about another this is not cthulhu this is not an this one is based on an expedition to antarctica where they have found ruins of an ancient civilization and it's also about at the same time uh experimentation into unlocking various mental powers which they believe that this civilization has the secrets to and so the canarium is a reference that's it's explained in games, I'm not going to really go in depth, about the place in the brain that they think is the core to this ability. So in this game you are someone who is taking part not just in the expedition to Antarctica to explore this ancient civilization, but also you have been taking part in these experiments to unlock hidden abilities within your brain. Needless to say, neither thing goes very well. You start off on your ship, everyone has disappeared. You wake up and there's no one there. There's just you. And you, as you explore through the ship trying to discover what has happened to yourself and everyone else, you have sort of horrifying visions or hallucinations as you go through. You travel out through Antarctica through this ancient civilization's ruins trying to find anyone, basically any of your companions that you started this journey with, and trying to discover what is happening to you as a consequence of these experiments. And it's a very strongly written game. The writing style is very good, like I said, this is by people who really enjoy and have read the source material, so if you like Lovecraft, it's a very strong and interesting game. It does fall down in a few different aspects, so the voice acting, not quite as good as it could be, which may be a frustration. Um, some of the gameplay is not quite as strong as it could be. What kind of gameplay is it? Okay, so it is first person, you're exploring and finding clues and information about what has happened to people, so to a certain extent it's like a, a walking simulator, walking simulator yeah. which, That's um, all right. which isn't bad for this sort of game. It does have... <clears throat> sorry. It does have puzzles, which 
I liked most of them, but in a few places, I would say they weren't... I'm going to say they're not signposted well according to how you find the solution. It's not that I'm saying they're too hard, it's just that it's very easy for you to think that you're doing the wrong thing when in fact you're on the right track. It's the difference between not being able to figure out a puzzle and not even knowing if you're doing the right if you're thing. You're figuring at all. out the puzzle. Yeah. yeah. I know what you mean because you, you want you, you want a reaction when you do certain things. Like um yeah. You want to know how you're doing it wrong. Yeah. So that you can find the right solution. It's very easy I think in at least one puzzle to not realize how you're doing it wrong and get really sidetracked for a long time trying to figure out what's going on. But other than that, it's they're generally pretty good. I think they might need if they want to do have a really strong puzzle gameplay, then they might need more puzzles for the game. But on the whole, it's I really enjoy it as the writing is so strong as a walking simulator and it's not so bad and as the because that's what walking simulators depend on they depend on atmosphere and they depend on story they're a storytelling mechanism game. so the story is very strong the atmosphere kind of wanes in the middle section where there's a few more puzzles and there's a few less I guess there's less of the original atmosphere that you start with this horrifying sort of empty ship and vivid hallucinations. Then you end up in this cave system where it's just less terrifying, I guess. Either it dials down to a certain extent on... Maybe it's because it's not such a recognisable, familiar setting with the supernatural and the unnatural overlaid on it that it doesn't feel quite so horrifying. Is it maybe a little bit mundane? Is that just like the cave system? Is that it's the not part? terribly mundane, but I wouldn't say it's threatening. Yeah. You don't feel uneasy and threatened for a long part. And there are a few sections where you there is actual risk of dying. So a lot of walking simulators people complain that there's sort of you can't really do anything wrong there's no danger there are a few sections where you have to run from danger that's what i love about walking simulators no danger <laughs> there are a few sections where you have to run from danger but they're not very common and it almost feels like a break from themes so i'm not a huge fan but people might disagree with that that's a personal on the whole story-wise atmosphere-wise it's very entertaining, and I really appreciate the effort that's gone into this game. Maybe the weakest part of the story is seeing some of the various, I guess, creatures and inhabitants come to life, and that's the weakness with every Lovecraftian tale, particularly when you take it mm -hmm. out of either it works well in a book, it works well sort of audio, because your imagination is always filling those blanks far better than anything visually could and that's quite a lot of the point behind some of Lovecraft is 
they're things are meant to be indescribable. I mean, obviously, which is which is actually, which when it comes down to it is poor writing. I'm, I'm afraid it's like it was indescribably bad. No, uh, it's it's not. He, be... <laughs> There's a purpose behind why I. This isn't this isn't a podcast about Lovecraft's writing and <laughs> literary devices, so I'm not going to debate it. Uh, these monsters were never meant to be indescribable horrors. I'm just saying that as far as horrifying monsters and situations go, your imagination is always more powerful. Yeah. And that's what's exploited a lot of the times in the books. And putting them sort of on screen, as it were, makes them always less threatening than the concept. Because you, you need to suddenly describe them where it was relying on the reader's imagination. Yeah, it's... And also, the threat that they pose in your imagination is more threatening than... Yeah, I, I mean, I will retract what I said before, where I said it, it, it's bad writing. It's a potential for bad writing. Lovecraft, having read Lovecraft, he does it quite well, surprisingly well, where he managed, he, he describes someone's feelings about something to then describe how terrified they are and the horror, as opposed to trying to describe the horror or, you know, have exposition around the horror itself. Yeah, it's, I also thought that being human did that quite well when they were describing the werewolf. It's what I liked about Being human. The, TV, the TV, series. TV series. Yeah. Because the UK version. I have not seen the US version. Not it, oh, don't, yeah. don't, that's, a, that's a different thing. That is, yeah. that is a different story. Um, because werewolves have sort of suffered as we've come into modern times. They're not as scary as a lot of other things could be which i think is a bit of a shame but the descript they rarely showed you the werewolf in being human probably for budget reasons but then they describe it as it's not that it's a horrifying beast it's that looking at it makes you feel that it's wrong somehow like there's something fundamentally wrong with the world when you look at it yeah so you know it's that sort of hmm. Tell you what, you could actually do some good um, audiobook recording, I think. <laughs> the way you introduced that was really good. All right, time to look into a new career. Yeah, forget <laughs> science. Yeah, I'm done with that. Um, I will say it's this game is slightly overpriced on Steam in terms of, I think, what you get. I believe it's... Let me just check. It's $20. I wouldn't pay $20 for it. 20 US dollars. I wouldn't pay that much for it. But when it's on sale, I'd give it a try. Yeah, fair. Cool. Just for... It's a very interesting writing, interesting story, and I really enjoyed it. Nice. Um, So I guess maybe going on to more Cthulhu themes uh we probably should mention secret world legends ah secret world is back it's been like two months since we had this podcast and i've only completed really two games two little games lee's done nothing but i feel that's also been affected by the fact that secret world legends was released which is a re-release of the secret world mmorpg i'm not saying that that's too hard (laughs) to say um so secret world legends yeah it's a it's a mmorpg um, 
it's set in modern times and it i guess as far as a game play goes it's, it's a pretty standard mmorpg when it comes down to it it's a urban fantasy setting which yes. is rare like very rare urban or... fantasy secret societies monsters um unnamed horrors it derives from so many literary myths um oh, sorry like literature myths very old school as well like stephen king as well it's it's as like yeah a... it's got there's it draws on if there has been a famous horror writer they will have drawn on what they've done if there's been sort of cult horror films they will have drawn on that so yes there are references to lovecraft there's references to Stephen strong King. references to lovecraft there's... Who else can I... There's references to Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. There's... And also... But quite clever and well done as well. It's not just... Uh, it's not just here is a monster from one of these stories or here is a concept. It is a lot of in-depth reference. Yeah, there's a lot of references I don't get. They're not just hitting the high points of horror history. They have... They really know their stuff. Yeah, 90% of the stuff I don't recognise at all. I'm not, I'm not a big horror reader, but you generally know all the big ones. And, yeah, most of the stuff I wouldn't even know if you, if you didn't tell me, like, oh, that's a random reference to something that was written, a short story was written in 1943 by some unknown author. Yeah. Yeah, so they have a whole puzzle based around the Goldbug cipher, which is one of the, like, less read or referenced Edgar Allan Poe books. Yeah. It's not even one of his really horror yeah so in this game it's like it is a stand actually it's probably not a stand when it comes to the story so it's a very that's that's a big difference it's a very story based mmorpg where you have this main storyline happening initially in these first three areas which are set in um the savage is it the savage coast like the fictional um king's mouth town king's mouth savage coast it's a very uh american horror setting yeah you know a uh, beach town yeah beach town where like this mist rolls in and then all these creatures come out of the mist and then zombies start poking up everywhere and there's like creatures like there's characters from mythology as well who are sort of making their appearance and this you're basically moving through this story and doing all these sort of side missions at the same time meeting all these characters in this in this all these individuals who are holed up in a police station or in a church the strong part of this it's the gameplay isn't the remarkable thing no what's interesting in this is the story writing is strong all the really quest strong. lines are really strong all the characters the side characters really strong it probably has some of the best dialogue writing and voice acting in in out of a lot of games actually i'd yeah. say yeah these are quests where i'm actually interested in doing the quest yeah. it's not like go kill three of these monsters that are pretty similar to every other monster. It's... And funnily enough, actually, yeah, I'm interested to complete the quests. The actual gameplay itself is that, though. It's like, go kill this thing, go here and collect this. But then the outcomes of that, the actual story around it is really good. It's interesting. So the gameplay is is still very standard, but... It might be go collect three things, but in this case, it's you have to wander around town to find various security cameras so that you can defend the base yeah or help set up the police station 
Um, there's there is like general main missions, but there's also um, what are they called? Investigation missions. So with those, you actually have to get onto the internet and look up websites and look up information. Um, which this c- is one of the most unique things yeah. about the game. So these are puzzle missions where the information isn't just given to you in the game. You might have to. In some cases, they'll set up fake websites. In some cases, yeah. it's relying on you to know or learn about various literature or art. Because often in the game, they reference that, like, you know, they'll think, oh, Lovecraft found this thing. And so you have to find out what Lovecraft found and find the story it relates to. Um, or it's something about they will talk about the Seven Sisters and they will rely on you knowing that the Pleiades is known as the seven sisters yeah and uh, i find like with the fake websites they're actually quite they're really like they're obviously fake websites but they're reasonably well done you can look you can google these sort of fictional groups that exist in the world in the secret world and then look them up on the actual internet and you can find out all this information and people who in the ceo of the oriachi group or whatever and find out where they're based and yeah they don't none of it's real but it's just very a lot of efforts gone world into it. Building. Yeah. The world building is excellent. So the only slight drawback to those puzzles is as more people complete the game, when yeah. you Google the clues, sometimes you will just end up with a walkthrough. Yeah, you just get the answer one. I don't really want that. No, I was yeah. trying to I was trying to do the puzzle. But um, but yeah, Secret War Legends is a reboot of because it's been around for what, years and years now. Five, six, seven years? Maybe seven years yeah. now? This is a reboot where they've tried to revamp some of the boring gameplay, the boring aspects of the gameplay. But they've rejigged some missions to make sure that they're not broken. The The way that... Sorry, the way that your weapons work is now a little bit more interesting. Yeah, so gameplay was its weakest part, and that's what this reboot has been about. And so far I'm finding it... Like, I don't find it... It's not drastically different, to be honest. Um, but this... Like, they now have little neat things around the way the weapons work, and they've made that a little bit more interesting. They completely revamped the entirely broken crafting system. Which, well, the useless crafting system. Um, they've now redone the way you're introduced to ideas and items and things like that. Though I will say that they've redone the items and the weapons enough that some of them do do interesting things now, and actually are different rather than just a simple stat boost. It's true, yeah. some of them now have unique effects, but it's mostly based around... Combat's mostly based around the skills that you have chosen and the magic powers that you have chosen. Yeah. Secret World... Yeah, Secret World Legends is a very good game if you have to tackle a Momorka on your own. Maybe you don't have enough people who you can drag into playing a really long game with you online, or maybe you just hate playing with other people online. In that case... This is a very good game for that. There are builds where you can play the whole game except the dungeons on your own, essentially, and you'll be just fine. Um, in terms of the community, though, as far as an online community, oh, it's really good. They're really good, yeah. Everyone's, like, especially when like you do want to do a dungeon, you need to go into a random group, everyone's very supportive. Like, It's kind of almost understood, or, you know, it's expectation that you know nothing and you're very clear about that from the start like oh i haven't really done this before or a dungeon i don't really do many dungeons people will take care of you and don't mind if you make mistakes or you know the healer might focus a little bit more on you just because you probably 
sucking a bit. Or, yeah. yeah. You know, people will be like, okay, here's what you should try and do in this dungeon. Yeah. This is how, this is the best way to run it. Yeah. You know, it's generally been very good. So, as far as a re-release goes, if you stopped playing The Secret World because you found the gameplay frustrating, then it's worth having another look. If you haven't played it because you maybe never heard of it, lots of people haven't, it's a really unique and interesting Lamorphaga, particularly if you find other ones a little bit boring because the story and the writing isn't there. Yeah. Have a look at this. If you stop playing The Secret World because you're tired of the quest lines... They, they haven't changed much. You'd just be repeating it, essentially. Maybe yeah. I would have a look at it again maybe six months down the track and see if they started releasing new and unique content. Well, they've got Tokyo now. They do. Yeah. So it looks like, along with this revamp, new content will be released. So... I would wait a bit and then have a look to see if there's enough new content for you to jump back in. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I will say the gameplay hasn't changed drastically a huge amount. True, yeah. but a lot of the small irritations are at The least. small irritations are gone, yeah. Alright, cool. I think that's it for this week. Do you have anything else to add? No, I'm good. Alright. Um, so we're going to try and move... If you haven't noticed, we're... We're very bad at doing a once a fortnight podcast. We'll probably move, try and move to once a month and maybe do a little bit more posting on the actual blog or Lee might actually try and do some Twitch streaming. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see. Uh, I've almost got that ready to go now. Excellent. It's a bit of a problem with, apart from just personal life stuff, uh, having enough time to finish a game or get through oh. enough of a game to be able to yeah. talk to you about it. Like, so, we don't even have to finish a game, it's just playing a game enough to feel confident in talking about it. Yeah, yeah so we're trying to find the right balance, if you have some feedback. I was, I was working 55-hour weeks for a bit, that was pretty bad, when you weren't here at least. Sean has a poor work-life balance. That's I do. That's what we've gathered from this conversation. It's not work-life balance, it's just life balance. <laughs> Sean doesn't have a life, is what we've <laughs> gathered from this conversation. Yes. Alright, we're done. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>